I want to preach into your ears the idea of make room. We're going to make room for God. Just like we did just now in our service. We're just going to make room for God. If, if we do uh, hours of prayer and preparation for every service that we have. Uh, however, we have a consistent commitment to the Lord that if He would like to take our plan, we will gladly take, uh, if He would uh, rather change our plan, we will gladly take our plan, wad it up, and throw it out the window because it is our uh, plan uh, and, and desire that the Spirit of God would move, that you would have a close encounter with God, that He would change you from the inside out and everything in your life would begin to point towards who he is because when we begin to believe him about what he said then we begin to see what he said amen, amen. john chapter 2 verse 1 says this and the third day there was a marriage in cana of galilee and the mother of jesus was there and both jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage verse 2 both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Uh, number one, if you're taking notes, and we're going to move quickly this morning, Jesus goes where he is invited. Jesus goes where he's invited. Now, certainly God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, but Jesus spends his time where he is invited. That's why whenever you go into a job interview, the first thing you should do before you get out of your car, you get off the bus, however you got there, is to invite the Spirit and the presence of God to go before you and make a way where there was no way because God goes where He is invited. Jesus and the disciples went to the wedding not because there was a wedding. They went to the wedding because they were invited to the wedding. You don't have to invite God. God's going to be everywhere. But just the same way, that family member that you know, that whenever you fry some chicken, they are going to show up at your house, invited or not invited. Bless God. When you invite them, now they know you want them there. When you invite Jesus on the scene, it's not like saying, I don't think you would have been there otherwise. It's just like saying, God, for real, I want you involved in my life. Give God a big hand of praise because we're going to invite Jesus into our life. Verse 3 says, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They don't have any wine. Uh, can I just say this? Uh, the presence of Jesus does not exclude you from problems. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. And if you've served God long enough, you can probably say amen to this. Serving Jesus sometimes will bring problems in your life. You're like, why? How come they're so mad at me? I didn't do anything. You ought to have it echoing in your mind when Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Who is they? Your cousin Claudine. No, it's not true. But problems do not happen just because you're not born again. Sometimes because you're born again, because you're on fire for God, because you're pressing towards the mark for the prize, the high calling in Christ. No, the enemy doesn't need to put resistance against you if you're not doing anything positive for the kingdom. But the minute you decide to live for God day in and day out, the minute you decide to press towards the mark, now all of a sudden you have an adversary that rises against you. So being a Christian does not exclude you from problems taking place the scripture continues to say uh, uh jesus mom said hey we don't have any wine jesus said to her woman what do i have to do with this my hour's not yet come yet in other words jesus was saying it's really not time yet and his mom which moms have a way of said to the servants 
Whatever he says to you, do it. Uh, let me give you an example. And I don't want to personify this too much. But if my wife tells our children to do something, what my children say has nothing to do with whether or not they're going to do it. So when Jesus' mom said, Jesus, I know you can fix this. They don't have any wine and they need some wine. It's about to be very, very embarrassing for the, for the family uh, that's being married here. They don't have any wine. Can, can you do something about it? And Jesus like, Mom... I'm here for the wedding. They invited me. I didn't come here to like turn all the water colors for everybody. And Jesus' mom, she doesn't even talk to him. It's like, it's like she doesn't even hear what he says. She looks at the servants and she says unto them, whatever he says, do it. Number two, if you're taking notes, whatever Jesus says, do it. You want to know about somebody, you can ask them. But if you really want to know somebody... You ask their mother. <laughs> Jesus' mom knew Jesus longer and better than everyone else on the planet. And she knew he was the answer. So when she looked at the servants, notice it says servants. It doesn't say just anybody. Those that were actively serving. She looked at the servants and says, when my son tells you to do something, do it. Now, this was a very large wedding. I could argue that there may have been 4,500 people there just from some study, but I could argue that there could have been 4,500 people there. And so she looks at the servants and says, whatever he says, do it. And how many of you know when you have a job and you're going about your day and you're doing everything and you've got a list of 10 things that you need to get done before 5 o'clock and then your boss walks in and says, oh, by the way, can you do this, this, and this before the day's over? It's not like you didn't have anything to do before. You just now have to make room in your schedule for the new directive. When it comes to God, you have to make room for Him. You have to make room for Him on the job site. You have to make room for Him in your uh, school. You have to make room for Him in your family and friends and the relationship you have. And I don't mean make room for Him like become one of those people who's offending everybody around them by when somebody stubs their toe and says a cuss word, you get all holier than thou and start telling them how heathen they are for cussing in front of you. I'm talking about making room for them where you bring Jesus and invite Jesus everywhere you go and you don't have to have permission from anybody to bring Jesus with you. Amen. You don't have to have permission from anybody. Your job site, listen, 40 hours a week, sometimes a lot more than that, 40 hours a week you are around people that you have more access and influence over and you're going to find out about their problems, their circumstances, and they're going to say something and all you got to do is begin to minister right where you are. You begin to say, listen, man, my... My kid's doing this. My child's doing this. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. And all you got to do is say, I'll tell you what, brother. I heard you say that, and I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Now, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's got something to work with. Now, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit has something to work with. We walk around, and if you're a Christian, just raise your hand and wave it at me like this. If you're a Christian, you have the answer to the world's problems. Completely. We've just got to get good at taking Jesus everywhere we go and making room for Him. If you have friends and family that you know their shoe size, but you don't know whether or not they're going to heaven, I encourage you to begin to make room in the conversation. You say, how do I tell people about God? You just tell them what He did for you. 
You don't have to be able to preach like anybody. You don't have to be able to talk like anybody. You just tell them what God has done in your life. And when you do, and when you tell them what God has done in your life, what happens is a two-part recipe has been activated because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The minute you begin to start testifying of what God has done in your life, now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Things begin to shift and things begin to room, begin to move. But it's all because right there in the middle of your daily life, you decided to make room for God. We're going to make room for who He is. Some of you, it could be a schedule. Some of you, it could be, I'm going to make room. I'm going to be at church twice a month. That might sound like a lot to you. Maybe you're at church twice a month now. And you say, man, I'm just going to commit. Listen, I can't tell you what being in the house of God every Sunday and every Wednesday has meant in my life. I don't say this to emphasize uh, me and Crystal. Uh, Crystal and me, it's my wife. I don't say that to emphasize us, but I say it to put emphasis on when you give the first morning of the first day of the week to God. And, and it's not because you don't have a busy schedule. It's not because you don't have anything else to do. It's not because you just want to get the kids up and dressed. Somebody say amen. It's not just because you want to make sure that they have matching shoes on on the right feet. It's not because of it. It's because you've decided that in your life you are going to make room for what the Lord is doing in your life. Give God a big hand of praise. We're going to make room. The servants had plenty to do, but, 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 but Mary told him, says, whatever he tells you to do, I want you to do it. And uh, Jesus uh, turns. Uh, so she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And the Bible says there were six, verse 6, there were six water pots of stone in the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Now, a firkin is a very, in- uh, a very interesting measurement. So, for instance, ten firkins is approximately twice as much as five firkins. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, these pots each held between 20 and 30 gallons of water. So basically, there were pots there, and Jesus said, I want you to fill up these pots with water Verse 7 says, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them, listen, to the brim. In front of you is 36 five-gallon buckets. In other words, 180 gallons worth of water. 180 gallons worth of buckets. Jesus said, fill them to the brim. Now, isn't it interesting? Jesus didn't say, I'm going to fill these buckets with water. Poof. The Bible says, having done all to do, stand. You and I have a role in this. You and I have a a task to complete. You and I have a calling on our life to tell people what God has done, to tell people what God is doing, to tell people what God has done on the inside of our life, our family, our business, our friends. And we have a, a, a mandate on us to be distributors of the information and the power and the knowledge and the feelings and the freeness that Jesus brings to us. But literally, you have to bring it to them. 
The pots, the Bible said, held 30 gallons apiece. 30 gallons, you don't carry that. Five gallons of something is hard to carry. So each pot was six times bigger than one of these, uh, than one of these buckets. So literally you had six pots that would hold 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said, fill them up. But the Bible says the servants filled them up to the brim. And when they filled them up to the brim, the Bible said, Jesus looked at them, verse 8, and said, Draw out now, bear to the governor of the feast, meaning take it to the boss, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tested, tasted the water that was made wine, he didn't know where it came from, but the servants which drew the water knew. Number three, if you're taking notes, to see God, serve God. Amen. To see God, serve God. The governor sat there and he got to experience the miracle. He got to experience the blessing. He got to experience the change. But it was those that were serving Jesus Christ at His Word that knew what was taking place. If you come to this church, we're glad you do. And if your plan for church is just to come and attend, nobody's going to be mad at you. We're welcome to have you. But if you're not finding a place to serve on our First Touch team, you are missing out on the very best part of New Heights Church. Come on, give God a hand of praise. The very best part. More ministry takes place in and amongst ourselves when we are ministering together. The Bible calls it like this. Iron sharpens iron. As we are serving God, the servants know when something's happened. The servant knows when something's happened. Every week somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. I was greeting and in walked my friend from high school. In walked somebody. I can't believe they were there. The only way you would know they were there is you're serving alongside somebody. Somebody else. The commodity of the kingdom of God is can you serve? The, the commodity of the kingdom of God is can you serve? Can you serve the people of God, the house of God? Listen to me. Can you love somebody that doesn't love you? Can you be kind to somebody that's not kind to you? It doesn't take anything to be nice to somebody that's nice to you. The heathens do that. Who are heathens? Claudine is a heathen. That's a joke. If your name's Claudine, we love you. We have a special gift for you. No. It's called How to Be Kind. No, I'm just kidding. Servants see God move. Servants see the hand of God. Servants get to experience. Could you imagine the disciples' story? Could you imagine what he would say? Could you imagine what he must have been thinking, the disciples, what they must have been thinking when they saw Jesus raise Jairus' little daughter to life? Could you imagine when the disciples got back on dry land and they text their best friend because you got no service in the middle of the sea and they text their best friend and said, the brother literally walked on water and so did Peter. Hashtag awesome. Could you imagine? It is the servants that see God. It is those who pour their life into Him that see Him pour, their, pour His life back into them. Now, now for me, you've got to get this for just a second. I like love studying like the Greek, the Hebrew, like that, you know, whatever. I'm, I, I geek out about it, okay? The Bible's like the best book ever. If you've never read the Bible, I encourage you. Start with the book of John if you don't know where to start. But if not, take the next 12 months and just read the thing cover to cover. 
Nobody's ever regretted reading the Bible, ever. Has the power of life and death in it. The answer to all of your problems is found in its leather-bound pages or its digital pages, depending what you like to read. Has stories of heroes and villains, betrayals, affairs, all kinds. You can find yourself in the Bible and you can find every problem you'll ever go through in the Bible. The wisest guy that ever lived says there's nothing new under the sun. In other words, what you're experiencing has been experienced before. And if he's done it once, then he'll do it again. But I love the Bible. and I, So for me, I wrestle almost until I walk through those doors to minister. And, and I'm wrestling with, Lord, is what I have to say, is it going to help people? Is it not going to help people? Is it something that's understandable? Is it something that they can use on Monday through Friday? I love the Word, and I want to give you all the best of it, but I want to make sure it's delivered in bites that can be consumed and understood. And I mean that uh, from the bottom of my heart. I want you to be able to use what you get. It's very powerful. It's very important to me. So I wrestle with the Lord. So this next little part is the part that I wrestle with. You see, the Bible says there were six vessels. Six is the number of man. So God says, I want you to fill the six vessels. I want mankind to be filled, and it says, to the brim. Each one held three firkins. Nothing is in the Bible uh, without, without a reason. Each one held three firkins. One for the, I believe, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit, which means I want you to represent the Lord in heaven, our God, our Father, well. I want you to remember who Jesus Christ is, and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life. Fill mankind. The Bible calls, the, the Bible says this. He says, I want you to be washed with the water of the word. The Bible says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Moses took a stick and struck a rock in the wilderness and, and water flowed out of it. In other words, John also said in, in chapter number one, he said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus Christ is always represented as the building block that was rejected that became the cornerstone of the whole new world. I believe we saw when Moses hit that rock that the stone that was rejected that became the cornerstone literally burst out water, living water. Jesus said when he came to the woman at the, with the well, he says, listen to me, if you'd ask me for a drink of water I'd have given you water I'd have given you a drink you'd never thirst again I'm telling you more is happening than just filling up pots he said I want the word so filled with man I want the man I want man so filled with the word of God to where it's all the way to the brim fill him to the top but listen to me man you've got to do it in other words he told the servants go fill it up and I'm going to bless it we can't run around with one bucket worth of request and ask God to give us 36 buckets worth of blessing. So many times in our life, we've got our faith like right here and God's ready to do something like this big, but we've got to get to the place where we're giving Him something He can work with. The servants went and filled up 180 gallons of water. Who does that? And the Bible says that when the governor pulled in and got him a little sip, the Bible says that he didn't know what happened. But the servants knew. You see, the servants brought the water. And Jesus brought the wine. 
In Luke chapter number 22, Jesus, after supper, he says he takes the cup. After blessing it, after supper, he takes the cup. And he says, this is the New Testament found in my blood. Anytime you see wine in the Bible, it's always representative of a new thing, the new covenant, the new testament. There's only one way that you and I can access heaven. There's only one way that you and I can have surety when we exit this world. There's only one way that we can have peace when we exhale out of this life and inhale in the next. And that's to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, fill yourselves up with the word and I'm going to bring the blood. The New Testament. It was the servants that saw the miracle. It was the servants that saw God move. If you want to see God move, you serve the kingdom. The man said in verse 10, he says, Every man at the beginning of a party brings out the good wine, and after everybody's all drunk, then they bring out that which is worse. But he says, But you have brought the good wine, you have saved the good wine until now. The Bible says this, and I don't know if you've had good life up to now, bad life up to now, or no life up to now. Let me just tell you, 100%, your future is going to be better than your past. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes. Give God a hand of praise. Joy comes. Come on, put your hands together like God's doing something. Joy comes in the morning. Joy. He says this, he says this, he says this. He said, you save the best. He didn't say, you save the best for last. Because that would have been good. But when is last? I don't know. Is today last? I don't know. The Bible says, no man knows the hour. Come on. No man knows the day. He said, you have saved the best. Come on. For now. Everybody say, now. He saved the best for right now. The servants saw the miracle. You want to see God move? You serve God. And know that His best for your life has been reserved for right now. Last scripture we're going to read. Verse 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth His glory and His disciples believed on Him. Number four, if you're taking notes. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning in your life. You begin to serve God, you see the miraculous. And it may look like better than you could ever ask or thought, but it's just the beginning in your life. You may have come to a season in your life where you're saying, I don't know if God can do anything for me. I don't know if He can do anything for my family. I'm here to tell you, it's just the beginning in your life. God's about to make room for you if you'll make room for God. God's about to do something in your life that changes everything. God's about to do something in your life that causes you to believe Him in a way that you've never been able to believe Him before. There's something moving in your life and God's about to do something that's going to blow your mind. Come on, stand to your feet if you could. Glory to God. Glory to God. No, he's about to do something in your life. Everybody else sets the best stuff out at the beginning. But God says, I'm going to set it out right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus goes where he's invited. 
Whatever he says, do it. I know your schedule's busy, but make room. If you've never been committed to a, to a church, get committed. We'd love it to be this church, but bless God, get committed somewhere. See what God won't do in your life. You want to see God? Serve God. We have opportunities everywhere here that can help you tap into that next level of serving Him. And lastly, when you do, remind yourself it's only the beginning. Give God a big hand.